0: church, developing a culture of loving Christ and serving others. Good morning. Hey, there we are. Good to see you all. So excited that uh, you're here with us today. Listen, I got, can I just open up with a couple praise reports as I usually like to do? We had today our first time ever in this church, a young adults group meeting uh, this morning, and it was hey praise report for that that's great 18 to 25 they're in the storage room if you remember last week that's the only place that we have left in this building and they had put some couches and carpet and made it super cool and apparently that wasn't big enough we had standing room only 10 people there that's awesome so so that's great isn't it i mean we just love what god is doing here and then furthermore as god is uh, opening up doors for Property on 2700 North. Listen, if you haven't driven on 2700 North, man, listen, God will open your eyes to see the influence there because there is so many cars driving on that road. I think it's about 17,000 people travel on 2700 North every day. There's about 9,000 people that travel on this road right here every day. So we're basically almost d- uh, doubling our. Uh, or doubling our uh, influence with this property. I've got, some, uh, I've got a meeting tomorrow around 3 o'clock p.m. Pray for me and uh, uh, this meeting that we'll be having uh, with the, the property. And you'll see over here, we don't, we don't have that hung up yet, but if you want to know what our property and what boundaries are and what kind of things like that we're talking about, there's a little whiteboard over there. You can kind of look at that. Um, God is doing some amazing, amazing things. And we are here. Isn't it fun to come to church and just hear about all the amazing things that God does? It is it is so much fun, and um, listen. Here's another one. We're going to Israel in a couple weeks. And I'm really excited about that. And I'm excited for you as well because uh, Pastor Johanna she's going to be preaching for three Sundays in a row. Wow. Jed and Chelsea are going to be doing worship for us, and um, it's going to be a great great time while we're gone, leaving this in good hands. And then also, let's say you uh, missed out on the opportunity, you couldn't make it this year to go to Israel. Uh, We're already planning for 2020 Israel trip. We've already got the dates down, and we're already gathering a list for people. If if you're interested in in going to Israel, and you can jump on board already, and you can let me know or let Katie know, and we're going to start compiling that list. So if you didn't make it this time, don't worry. We're already planning for next time. So uh, we're coming back with some great, great stories. I just already know uh, in a couple weeks as we're headed over to see uh, the Holy Land fish, On the Sea of Galilee, you know, that's going to be cool. Um, Anyways, it's going to be great. (laughs) So before we go any further, let's just pray and just dedicate our time to God. Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name, amen. He is our teacher, isn't he? And our helper. We just invite him every time. I'm going to open with a true story. And this happened in 2007 in the town of Oak uh, Oak Lawn in Chicago. And they had a problem with motorists, and they weren't stopping for stop signs. They were just breezing right through them. So in 2007, the mayor of the town uh, decided, I'm going to add another sign to the stop sign. And what he did was ingenious... And, in fact, later on proved to be a little bit illegal, and so they had to take the signs down. But they put a sign, or he put a sign, underneath the stop sign to get people's attention. He had the stop sign, and then underneath, he put another sign so that people would read stop. And it would say, and smell the roses. Stop. No, really, you got to stop. Stop. Or I'm telling your mom. This is a true story. Stop. In the name of love. And it worked. It worked. People began to, to uh, stop at the stop signs. They read that. They thought it was humorous. And they stopped to, to read the sign. And uh, it was an important message for the mayor, Correct. The important message for the mayor, for people to adhere to the stop sign. There was a warning. There was something that they needed to adhere to. Or adhere to. This was important for their safety. It could protect their, or would protect their lives. It could save their lives. This was a sign that was important. And so he realized the, of, the importance of the message, so he added a sign. I want you to keep this in the back of your mind as we're discussing today through uh, the book of John or John chapter 2 that God uses signs to complete or have us pay attention to the message. And that the message or the sign is just a sign, but the sign that has a message of importance that can save your life is really the focal point. The sign isn't there just to sit there or to stand there and look pretty. The sign is there so that we understand what the meaning is of what lays ahead, right? Stop warning. Be careful. So whether we use a square sign, a rectangular, triangular, octagonal, uh, this, the message is tied to this shape or this sign. And it is very, very important for us. We see this all the time in traffic. You see a one-way. How many of you have gone through Salt Lake City and gone opposite on the one-way? Am I... Am I the only one? Okay, good. Let's never carpool together. We're in trouble. Uh, But Jesus himself became a sign of God's love, he became the sign of the message of hope, he became a sign and a symbol of forgiveness. He became the sign and caution towards sin. He pointed us towards grace. He is that one-way sign to the Father. So, turn with me to John chapter 2. We're going to start with verse 1. We are in part 5 of our John series. We're going through the book of John. And we spent four weeks in John chapter 1. And you're thinking, oh my goodness, how many chapters are in the book of John? There's a lot, and uh, we're going to dive into this, and you know, I got to tell you, it's it's great because we we're we were just having fun dissecting this, and this is really so much fun, and this is really the, the conversation starter for you. Hopefully, you're plugged into a connect group, like a discipleship group, and you're able to take this and bring this conversation with each other, and dialogue, and pray, and and uh, ask questions with each other in those settings, so it's really, really a a great way to dive in even further than from just today. John chapter 1, starting with verse 1, we'll read through 11 verses, then we'll come back and highlight what God's saying. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. And when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, "My hour has not yet come." His mother said to the servants, "Do whatever he tells you." Nearby stood six stones or six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from twenty to thirty gallons. And Jesus said to the to the servants, "Fill the jars with water." And so they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, "Now draw out." draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet they did so and the masters of the banquet or the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine he did not realize where it had come from though the servants who had drawn the water knew then he called the bridegroom aside and said everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests had had too much to drink but you have saved the best till now what jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him and after he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and brothers and his disciples they stayed for a few days this is the first sign that Jesus did to point to who he really was the message that this was God's son This was the message and this was the sign that the message of Jesus coming to earth as God's son was now being brought forth into light. And people were able to see what exactly this this Jesus and who he is through the sign of this miracle. Now, I want to walk through this story of the first miracle I'll walk through it backwards today as we kind of just peel back the layers as we kind of unravel this gift given to us. So that we can see the nature, the character of God, and how this miracle unfolded before our eyes. Can we do that? Let's do it. (laughs) I'm going to wait for (laughs) you. So starting backwards, I want to just highlight that this is very, very important for us to recognize. That after the miracle happened. After the water was turned to wine, wine, there was something that happened to the disciples. It was at this moment they believed. There was a transforming work that happened in the disciples' lives that caused them to be followers to believers. From people who followed Jesus but now they believe and trust in His Word. See, everything changed for for them. From this point on, there was a difference in their lives that when they see Jesus, they saw Jesus, they heard Jesus teaching, they didn't just follow it, they now believed it. You see, in this context, it's a very, very big difference between following and believing You see, you could follow Jesus, but not really believe in his power. You can follow Jesus, but not believe that his love is really attached to you. You can follow Jesus, but not really believe in the supernatural protection or provision in your life. You can follow Jesus and just stay at a distance and say, yes, I see you. I'm going to follow you at a distance, but I'm not going to really believe exactly who you are to me personally. And from this point, the disciples that he had at that moment were changed in an instant. Their eyes became wider and grasped a perspective that they hadn't seen before in Jesus. Because remember, he hadn't done anything like this before. Because of the sign of this miracle that happened right before their eyes. It changed how they viewed, how they trusted, how they lived, and how they believed in Jesus. Now here's the crazy part. And let me tell you, there's a few crazy parts in here. And when I say crazy, I mean it's like, okay, opening up. At least for me. When I'm reading this story and I'm preparing, I'm kind of looking through this passage and I'm looking at how this unfolded and thinking about how was it with the perspective of the, d- the disciples? How was it with Jesus? How was it with Mary? How was it with the, with the wedding feast that was going on there? And trying to transport our brains and our emotions into that place, we begin to see something unfold before us that really kind of speaks to us. And I think the first thing to notice is that they believed through, the, through this powerful, working, miracle sign of Jesus... But the crazy thing is that the miracle wasn't for them. What changed their life, what changed their perspective was not that they themselves received a miracle, but somebody else received a miracle and they were able to see that. It didn't benefit them. Jesus didn't touch their lives. Jesus didn't bless them. Jesus didn't do some supernatural thing for them to open their eyes. Peter didn't walk on water yet. He didn't heal them. It wasn't for them. They were there to, to uh, be there. But they didn't, they, it wasn't for them personally. But he did perform the miracle through them that caused them to believe. See, there's a difference between for and through. There's a lot of times that I think I've missed out, maybe we've missed out on the miracle that God has done right before our eyes, but it's been for someone else that that God has used through us, His power through us. And if we fail to miss that sign, we're going to fail to miss the message behind the miracle. If we, if we just drive on by and we say, yeah, God bless them, but you were in the middle of it and you don't see God working in you and through you, you're going to miss out on what God is doing in you in that opportunity of the gift of faith that will be increased. If we don't stop and slow down and say, okay, God, you're in the middle of this and you're using me and I want to say thank you for that. When you're part of the miracle of a, re- of a restored marriage, your faith is what is advanced. When you're praying for a miracle and God answers and you're in the middle of that message and that miracle happens for them, you get blessed with the gift of faith. When you're helping someone understand who Christ is, and it's your words. Have you ever been in that moment where you're sharing Christ, and this is totally outside of your nature, your character, but the words begin to flow out of you? Ever had that happen? You're like, I don't know who that was. That was definitely God, because I've never spoken that way before in my life. If you fail to miss that, you're going to miss the gift that God is going to give you of an increase of faith in your life, an increase of confidence, an increase of boldness to be a witness for Him, because we miss out that God is doing a miracle through us instead of just in us. Or for us. This is probably the greatest story of a launching point for the disciples in how they were used for a miracle that was outside of themselves, that increased and produced just as much, if not more, in that first miracle, was inside those who were willing to be a part of the miracle that didn't benefit them directly. Something else I want to notice, and there's lots of things to notice today, but one thing that I noticed that stands out in my mind on i reading this is that this is the first miracle that Jesus did, but it had nothing to do with the walls or the ins- inside the church or the tabernacle or the temple. It was all outside of church. In fact, there's about 35 miracles that are listed in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, roughly right around there. There's only one that was listed inside of church. Everything else, Jesus did miracles outside. So we pray for miracles. We do ask God to to touch people's lives here. But the greatest miracles, greatest opportunity for miracles is out there, honestly. We have a gift of faith that comes and is produced inside of here. But this is a launching point so that God's presence will be out that way in your sphere. And I believe that this builds us so that there's a ministry that is happening outside. And as we dissect this, we can clearly see that the sharing of the miracle with Jesus For others was what benefited the disciples or those who were involved with this miracle. It transformed from understanding to knowing or understanding Jesus and the teachings, right? Because you can understand, you can know the teachings of Jesus. But there's a difference between understanding and trusting. And this was the transition, this was the shift that happened inside of them. That launched them into a a new arena with Jesus, a new relationship, a new area of ministry. And it had nothing, that miracle had nothing to do with them personally. It was about willing to see what God could do through them. This was a natural, real-life setting where they were invited to a party to come to. And I want to come back to this. Now we're going to go forward just a little bit. And they're invited to this wedding. And a wedding in those days would last about a week long, six days they would, This is not what we have here, we have a couple hours, do a little dancing, and then you're done. This is a ceremony that lasts for days, and this was a full-on celebration. In fact, the whole town would be involved with this a lot of times. They would know, they would have this celebration, they would parade the bride and groom down, they would shower them with gifts, and they would come into this place, and they would have this uh, banquet dinner, and it would last and last, and go into the night, and then they would come back the next day, and then go back and come back the next day, and, And just celebrate with them. Now, the cultural setting of this is that if the food ran out, if the wine ran out, this was a humiliation or dishonor to the bride and groom, right? This is an honor uh, culture. And if it ran out, this was the sign of the blessings would run out in your marriage. This is the blessing. This is a sign that that you are, you, uh, let's go the other way, that you would need to provide all the way up front as a representation of what's to come. So they're invited to this wedding, and all of a sudden something happens. that They run out of wine. They're not able to provide for the guests anymore. There is something that is empty. There is something that they cannot give. There is something that is supposed to be there that is not there. There is something that is missing. And it's going to bring humiliation to those who are trying to be united with each other. And so just as a bit of cultural context this is the scenario this is why it's important and there were friends of Mary they were invited they knew each other i, said, I don't want humiliation upon these friends jesus do something going into just a little bit of a story mode cuz i like that that's kind of how i learn they're at this wedding it's beautiful and things are going great, but all of a sudden, behind the scenes, there's some turmoil that's happening. The father of the bride is freaking out a little bit. The supply has run its course. Everybody else is enjoying it and thinking, oh man, something's running out. Something's not going to last. Something is, is going to end. And so Mary notices this, and she looks at Jesus, and doesn't give him any answer, just says, the wine's about to run out. And Jesus' reply to her was, woman, what would you have me do? My hour has not yet come. Warning, guys, do not answer like Jesus did in the household. If she says, honey... Can you do the dishes or the laundry? Don't say, woman, what would you have me do? My hour is not yet come. If you say that, you are, your hour might come sooner than you realize. Right? So just, just know that the Son of God can do that. And you can't. Let's just stick with that. Really, the, the cultural context of this in Greek and Hebrew, that, that this really wasn't an offensive way that he was talking to his mom. It was not degrading. This was a, basically an address of, I don't know what you're asking me to do, but I didn't come here for this, and I I don't have anything in my back pocket for this. (sighs) All right. Jesus is in a moment, and he's presented with a certain time, with with a specific need. Mary sees something at a moment, and she understands something about Jesus. Mary has been with Jesus for 30 years. Mary knew the message that Jesus would bring. Mary knew the the, the purpose of Jesus. Mary knew this before Jesus was born. And she's been waiting for 30 years just wondering when that time is going to come when this sign of that Jesus really is who he says he is and really who she said that he is to validate that what God has done in her, the miracle that God has done in her life, that truly now there would be a moment in her life. See, I knew it. I told you. God has come into this world. See, remember, I mean, it was scandalous the way that Jesus came into the world. There was almost a divorce that happened because of this. Everybody thought it was another, another man that, that entered into that arrangement, that, that uh, engagement. is why she got pregnant. So I can only imagine, her heart is like, when is that validation going to come? And she She just simply says to him, the need. Here's the need. And with that kind of a, mom, don't push me. She said, my son has the answer. And she says it in front of his friends. A little bit of accountability there. And he asks, what do you want me to do? She doesn't even address him. It's almost as if, as if those words are just bouncing off the back of her head because, hey, she knows as moms do when their son is not living up to what they believe in them or that potential that they see in them. It's kind of like the here's the human side that we get to see of Jesus and the relationship with Mary. And it kind of brings it into a reality for us. And so she kind of just, what would you have me do? And he just says, Hey, guys, just do whatever he says, okay? Whatever he tells you, just do it. And here's Jesus, like, Mom, I'm right here. This teaches us about the nature and character of God, and it also teaches us about certain aspects of our relationship with God. Here is Mary. She knows exactly who Jesus is. She knows whose son he is. She knows that that is the one who will save the world from sin and death. She knows that Jesus is God's. Son in flesh. She knows that this is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. She knows that this is the ruler of the universe. She knows that in the beginning of creation, he was there. She knows, and she talks to him like this. And mind you, this is not a prideful, arrogant, demanding request. She just knows who he is and what he's about. And here's Jesus on the other side. He knows who she is, and he knows his purpose, for he said, my hour is not yet come. He knows where he comes from. He knows who his father is. He knows who he is. He, know he's, he knows he's God's son, and he could have just said, woman, leave me alone, and that would have been it. He could have just said, I'm not ready. We'll do it another time. But he doesn't do that. He listens to her requests. That teaches us about our relationship with God and our relationship with prayer. That when, when Jesus, at this very first miracle, the thing that he was setting up first, that we can read and we can see in front of us this, this, this nature and relationship, that he sets up the promise already that we could come boldly through the throne to the throne room of grace with confidence and boldness to ask. And that God is not afraid of our prayers or our requests when we come to Him with all kinds of prayers and petitions. For as at 1 Peter 5 7, he cares for all things. And we cast all cares upon him. And so Jesus doesn't reject it. He listens as she comes boldly to him. She didn't come sheepishly. She didn't come thinking he wouldn't do it. She didn't come asking, thinking it was going to be impossible. She came with faith, and she, she came with belief in, believing in who she knew he was, what he could do, what his power was, and what his purpose was. And I think that that just reminded Jesus of exactly who he was. Thank you, Mom. So he comes into this moment. And he tells the disciples and the servants. And he says, okay, running out of wine? We're going to do this. Now, remind you, Jesus had never done a miracle yet. He has not done the supernatural yet outside of being born. So here's this moment. I mean, he was, he was, he had human emotions. Okay. We're going to do this. I want you to grab those six stones, those jars. They hold about 20 to 30 gallons of water. There's six of them, They're stones, bring them over here. Question in my mind, why didn't he just use the empty ones that he used w- for wine before? Obviously, they weren't, they weren't, they, they, they were ready to be used, but he, did, he chose not to use those. Well, you see, when God does a sign, he does it to reveal his glory. So he's about to set the scene about who he is through this miracle. And if we take it at face value, we're going to miss it. And there's this sign that's uh, that's above this text that's saying, stop, and I want you to learn from me. So that's what we're doing. The sign of the miracle that Jesus turns the water into wine, but let's see how this unfolds. Forget those clay jars that you've been using. I know they're already seasoned. I know they've already been hinted with one. I already know that, that that's what you've used before in the past. But guess what? What you've done before in the past is not sufficient now. So I want you to take those jars, and guess what? They're heavier, and they're bigger, and they're harder to move. That's what we're going to use. So he takes these. Big stone jars. And I'm in my mind, I could just see like an alabaster. doesn't say that, but that's what I'm thinking is this gray stone. And they fill them to the brim. And if we're beginning to see the nature and character of Jesus, and we begin to see him in this miracle... The first thing that I recognize is that fill those jars up to the brim of the promises and the blessings that Jesus is going to give. Now that's six jars. That's 20 to 30 gallons. That's around 150 to 180 gallons of wine. That is more than enough. That is completely overabundance. And that's what Jesus wants to give. So first of all, Jesus comes to give us life and more abundantly, doesn't he? He doesn't come to make your life terrible. He has come to set you free. And when Jesus sets you free, you're free indeed. And so even in that, there was blessings. And beyond that, there was gifts. That he gives and gives as a good father does. And he takes care of. So the blessings that we have in Jesus Christ are full to the top, to the brim. They just, you can't contain any more of the blessings of God. The second thing that I notice is that he uses these jars that were used for purification. From the Jews. And Jesus comes to be your high priest. He says I will be the one. That will be your high priest. I will be the one that will purify. That will cleanse. And that will wash. You will no longer have to go to the religious system. But you will just come to me. That's the greatest miracle. Then he comes in this water. Right? And he begins to say okay. Here's the jars. Here's the water. And listen guys. You're going to need more than one of you. Because this is a heavy task for you to take on. And the miracle begins to unfold as the relationship with Jesus and His disciples begin to minister together. Before I go too far ahead of myself, these stones were heavy. But Jesus loves to use those heavy things to do his best miracle. You may be going through a heavy time. You may be going through something that is very difficult. And you can't move that by yourself. But guess what? God can do the miracle of rolling that stone away. To bring new life in your life. The stone. That, that sealed Jesus in the tomb. Opened up. And rolled away by his power. Same with the stone of the jars. Revealed. That God's power, His glory, that there was something that was impossible, but God can transform that and use that for His glory in our lives. And Jesus changes the water into wine. In that context, now just so you know, uh, as Katie mentioned before, this is not a kegger party where everybody's boozing it up and getting drunk. This is not a, like a, that kind of party. So when they say wine, uh, you, you must understand the context of this, that this, this cultural wine was uh, wine in the essence that it was about one part uh, alcohol and three parts water. That's how they dis- distributed this, this wine. So was it alcohol? Yes, but not to the, to the standards of today's alcohol. And this certainly wasn't like your hard alcohol party that Jesus was invited to, right? So, just so that we know. Now, what happens when there is um, the wine in the system immediately? Even if you may not see the effects, it affects the whole body. Jesus said, I'm going to bring the new wine in these new jars, and I'm going to affect every part of your being. I'm going to affect the way that you respond. I'm going to affect the way that you think. I'm going to affect the way that, that you operate in your life. It's going to transform your life. And in the upper room, we saw that with the power of the Holy Spirit, and they thought they were drunk. And it was 9 o'clock in the morning, he said, we're not drunk, we're just filled with the Holy Spirit. And isn't the Spirit of God intoxicating? Doesn't it influence us and control us? Jesus is speaking about himself and what he's going to do inside the life of the believer is that when we, uh, we operate in him, he changes us, he transforms us, and he, he is the one that dictates how we operate now. And he's going to do something new. These jars were never used before in wine or for wine. And he does this on purpose because I have a new thing that I'm going to bring. I'm going to bring a new covenant between God and man. The old covenant is no longer going to stand. It's a new covenant that I'm bringing. And it's going to wash you. It's going to cleanse you. And it's going to bring a miracle in your life. And as we see this begin to unra- uh, unveil itself before us, we get to see that picture of God. And we get to see the ultimate painting that God is painting before us about what it's like to be invited to a wedding. where the, 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 Jesus and his disciples were invited to a wedding. And if you're a disciple of Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're invited to the wedding. And when you're invited to the wedding, it's because all of what Jesus has done and doing in your life. You see, it's in this process of what God is doing and what he has invited you to be a part of. In the miracle of the wedding feast. And with Jesus, it doesn't run dry. And how many times does God relate the relationship between us and him as a marriage He's the groom and we are the bride. And we have a relationship with Him. We're invited to the wedding. And this is a party that we get to enjoy at the marriage supper of the Lamb. It is forth of who He is. The nature, the character of God. And, let me just say this. The miracle working power of God through our lives. And we kind of see this and how much it paints a picture of God. I step back and say, okay, would this have happened if there wasn't the request? Would this miracle have happened if G or if if, if Mary wouldn't have asked, seen the need? And brought it to Jesus. Would this miracle have happened. If the disciples said no. Would the miracle still have taken place. If everybody just said no way. Listen. If you want to see the miracles of God. We've got to change two things. One the perspective of where the miracles are going. And who they're for. And then two. The miracles are brought forth. Through us seeing and believing and and being a part of the miracle that God has offered and invited us to be a part of. Maybe we've been praying for that miracle in our life. And we're missing out on what God is doing through us in the miracle that we are provided for other people. Maybe we're just saying, okay God, I want this miracle, but I just want to stay at a distance. If you ask me to do anything, I'm just not going to. But give me the miracle. I've got faith in the miracle, but I don't want anything else. And Jesus said, You want to see great things? You want to do even greater things? Trust in me. What I love about this story is that there was an awareness, an awakening of who God is in their lives through simply asking, believing, trusting. And willing to do whatever it takes that Jesus asks us to do. And that is to just seek Him and to follow Him and to let Him work in our lives. And to use you with a purpose designed to reveal His glory. And when we do that, there is honor that is all given to God. And you are the first one to see that. And it might be in someone else's life. I want us to stand together as I close. This miracle of the changing of the water to wine sets us up for what was to be humiliation in our lives. Something that was running dry and going empty. God restoring with a... With an overabundance of his spirit through his son Jesus. And a washing and a cleansing. And a asking and a doing. And a responding with faith. And a recognizing God working in us and through us for the benefit of someone else. So that others may see the sign. And that the glory of God may be revealed in us. It's It's a beautiful relationship that we get to see. when he says we're co-laborers with Christ and we are people who who are moving as one as a body there is a there's power in believing together and you and I here together we challenge and we encourage each other in our faith and God in us and to see and Anticipate into it and to be ready for the move of God. And to encourage that you and I share in the belief that God does things out of the natural. He takes what's natural and makes it supernatural in our lives. He changes and he transforms There's somebody um, in our church that needs, that just needs your prayer. This morning, uh, I've, I've got a whole closing that I'm just skipping. I'm not even doing it. Um, as I was getting ready this morning, um, this family was on my, my heart and I was praying for them. And it just redirected the, the course of today. Some of you know the, the Holstein family and Mark who's playing the guitar up here right now. And Shiloh, who's sitting right over here. They, ha- they have a, a boy who's 11 years old. His name is Isaiah. Fantastic kid. In fact, all your kids are, are great. It was just a joy to be around. But uh, Isaiah's had some real challenges physically in his life. And he experiences pain a lot, almost 100% of the time. As Christians, it can be difficult to wrestle with that question of why does God allow bad things to happen? Why, is, why are things painful? Why would, if you love me, why would you allow this to happen? It's difficult for adults to wrestle with the idea of a loving God who allows suffering. It's difficult for adu- an adult to come to terms with that. It's difficult for adults, Christian adults, seasoned veteran Christians, to come to terms with this and say, God still loves me. And yet this is something that an 11-year-old is having to wrestle with. And as parents having to watch and not be able to, to take that pain away as a mother would, as a father would, and still having to coach their son that God is a good God. The first service, we had um, them come up, and we just all gathered around them and prayed. And we just said, God, we don't know, but you know. Sometimes we don't have all the answers, but we're just going to stand in the gap, and we're going to pray for a miracle on their behalf. And I'm asking that you would be used to pray on the behalf of this uh, family. I want to tell you something special. You need to hear this. I said, hey, can Isaiah be in this church? Second service, we want to pray for him. He didn't do this. So he said, yes. Eli heard that and he said, I want to be there too. In fact, the other kids are all coming in here now because they want to pray for him. I didn't ask them. They just said, we want to be there for Isaiah. So they're coming in here now. Some of them are in the back. but Eli's right there with them. They're going to be, they're in here together because they are coming and asking for Isaiah to just find healing and strength. What I want to do is I want, listen, I need, they need your faith and trust that God is a God who we read about and we hear about. That you know is a miracle-working, healing God through the name of Jesus. So I've asked them to come. We're going to anoint Him with oil. We do that as a symbol of God's presence. I'm going to anoint Him on the top of His head. And we're going to ask God to take the pain away and to heal His body. We're not afraid to ask big things because nothing is too big for God. And I... We are coming together to pray for them. So what I want to do is I want to ask them to come up here on the stage. Can you make it up here, Isaiah? Okay. And all your friends, come on up here, guys. Isaiah loves baseball. He loves being active. And he loves God. He comes to the first service and he learns. And in the second service... We pulled him out of the children's center to come over here because you were you were serving. Well, Is that right? Doing again. You're doing fifty-six again, but he's a he's a servant and he helps out with kids. He's helping out with your kids. Teaching them. So what I want to do, and if it's okay, I'm just gonna invite you, all of you, to just come gather around in agreement, and we're gonna pray over Isaiah. Would you join me and we'll just gather around these guys and we're going to pray together in agreement. And this stage is free. You come on up here. This is not a block. If you want to, you can come. You don't have to. But those of you who want to be a part of the story, we're going to just pray together in agreement and let him know that he's not alone. You can put oil on his head. We're going to wait for everybody here. You know what? We've got Mark over here. This is Shiloh. Mark is playing the guitar. That's a dad. If you, if you if that resonates with you as a dad. Come on up here. You're good. You can come up this way. You can go that way. This is. Nobody's blocking. We've got plenty of room. I'll pray back here. It doesn't matter. And we're just going to pray in faith. And allow God to do what he's going to do. Father, we thank You for Your healing power and touch. God, we are in agreement that when we read in Your Word, God, of Your miraculous touch to make the lame walk, where You raise the dead back to life, and God, where You do those things that are outside of the natural realm, Lord God, it is not without Your power, but God, it is totally within Your power to touch to restore, and to heal, and to take away pain, and sickness, and disease. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, all of us together are standing in the gap for Isaiah. We are standing and asking in petition with prayers and requests. We are offering it up to you, O oh God, that you will take Isaiah, take away the pain, restore health, Jesus, defy doctors, defy reason, but God, let it be a sign unto your glory of who you are, your character, your nature, your provision over Isaiah. In the name of Jesus, we ask for a rise up and walk story. Jesus, bring back strength into his legs. Bring back uh, strength into his bones, into his ligaments. Restore the nervous system in the name of Jesus. Bring peace in the middle of chaos. Bring love and comfort. Bring sleep and rest in the name of Jesus. Blessings over mom and dad. Bring words of comfort inside their hearts so that they know how to speak. Give them an answer in the name of Jesus. We look forward and we pray with anticipation of the miracle that is about to come. We put our faith and hope in You, our miracle-working God. And it is not, not in our name or any other name, but in Jesus' precious name, that we come before the throne room of grace boldly asking a request from you to touch Isaiah's body and heal God 100% complete and whole restoration. Lord that your name will be lifted up. We praise you and we look forward to what you have in store for Isaiah's life. We ask for your blessing, your covering, your protection in Jesus powerful name, we ask this. Amen. 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 The Bible says that we are to come and bear each other's burdens and pray for one another. And that's what we are doing. We are just coming together in faith, believing in the work and the miracles of God. Let me just pray a a prayer of, of dismiss and then you guys are released. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. We thank you that, God, when we come together, big things happen. We thank you that mountains can move in your name. Jesus, we ask that you will take this week as we offer it and dedicate it to you. Lord, that, that, that anything that comes in our paths, we just give it all to you. We praise you in the blessings. We praise you in the storm. It is your name that we'll, we will glorify forever and ever and ever. Amen. We love you. We worship you. This is yours. Our life is yours. In Jesus' name we said together, amen. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful, fantastic week. Thank you so much for listening. For more information on Northview Church, please visit NorthviewUtah.com.